I read Will Smith's book about a month before the the Oscar thing. All right. So after the book, I thought like I had a pretty good picture of who Will Smith was. He's a unique dude. I could relate to you know, a lot to what he had to say and the decisions he made in his career. And then the Oscars thing happened. And now I'm like, maybe I misinterpreted the entire book. Like I have no idea who this person is. If you had relationships like this? A relationship where my guy went and smacked the hell out of somebody on stage? No. You've never had an ex-boyfriend smack Chris Rock? No, but I think this, and we'll get more to it later, but this is like just proven our humanity, man. Like we know that these are people, but then we realize that people freak out no matter how many personal development books you read, write, memorize, whatever, like we still have a human nature. All right. Well, let's get, we'll get into the Oscar stuff later because that's kind of like the the... Grand end of his career. <laughs> That's dramatic. You know what I mean? But it's like the impression I got is that he's conflated being successful with being loved and being happy. And mm. I think he knew he was going to win that night and nothing was going to ruin that night for him because, again, it was the climax of his career and everything he worked for up to that point. And, uh, and then that thing happened and he just kind of snapped. But again, let's get to that later on. Honestly, I just kind of would like to know your, you said earlier you liked him. So have you always been like a Will Smith fan? Like, are you walking into this conversation going, this is the man, this is the dude, you can't break my opinion of him. Or are you neutral or do you hate him? How do you feel? <laughs> I've always been a fan. Like I'm a, he's one of those guys who just, everything he does is he's just a talented guy, right? So every yeah. movie he creates is usually a smash. His show is awesome. Kind of young, so I didn't get into his music. But I mean, it's, you know, he's clearly a pretty legit entertainer. Now a 60-second career breakdown. Willard Carroll Smith, born September 25th, 1968, also known by his stage name, The Fresh Prince, began his acting career starring as a fictionalized character of himself in the NBC sitcom Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, ran from 1990 to 1996. Smith first gained recognition as part of the hip-hop duo with DJ Jazzy Jeff, with whom he released five studio albums. Jeff was that guy Uncle Phil kept throwing out the front door. You remember him? Yeah. He released four solo albums and received four Grammy Awards overall for his music. Will transitioned into movies, achieving wider fame as a leading man in films such as Independence Day, Bad Boys, and Men in Black. He would continue making movies over the next two decades and become one of the biggest movie stars of all time, and finally receiving an Oscar for his portrayal of Richard Williams in the biographical sports drama King Richard. That's the movie that portrayed the life of the Williams sisters, those two tennis superstars. That evening was also interesting because before he received his award, he slapped presenter Chris Rock after making a reference to his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. It was awkward for everybody. Will has now resigned from the Academy and was banned from attending the Academy functions, including the Oscars, for about 10 years. He grew up blue collar, I would say, like a blue collar family where his mom was in education. His dad was a military vet slash, I think it was a, a refrigerator business that he had i don't remember because i like to gloss over all this stuff when i read books and just get to the part that i know which is like all right i started doing music then i started doing tv so he had a rough upbringing a typical <laughs> stronger parents and uh, he, he equates a lot of his uh work ethic to his upbringing like his he watched his dad in the blue collar role and, and um you know so so that's where he he derives a lot of that from I think you're oversimplifying this just a little bit because, I mean, man, the the childhood stuff is is where everything happens, right? We're talking about Freud crap, man. We don't want to gloss over like his situation with his dad and stuff because I feel like that has come up over and over again in his career, at least in his interviews. And I'm sure the book, you have to tell me about how he kind of defined his dad as uh, violent and maybe even abusive towards his mom. And so he grew up in that really crazy environment where the man was like this authoritative figure yeah so he, that's the weird thing about the book is he he uh, he talks about all that he was a little violent with his mother and stuff like or his 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 dad was violent with his wife his will's mother anyway you're very confused you need to reread that book but uh but it, it, but he looks at his dad as a hero the entire time and he really uh chuffs him up is, is a big part of his his everything and so it, it's he's got a got two sides of the story there Somewhere I read that he was a really good student and actually had um, an opportunity to go to like MIT for after graduation, but decided to go the the rap route 
That's right. His mom is like, a lot of moms are like that, mine included, just they, they want an, an education. Why wouldn't you, right? So his mom was really into it. He's like, I want to be a rapper. I think it was one of those situations where it's like, all right, give me a year, ma, and then I'll see what I can do. And then the rest is history. And, you know, the, the whole premise and this idea of this show is like, what lessons are we pulling out of this as creators ourselves and humans and you and I both are parents and stuff. And I think it's like this super tricky line. And I know you talk a lot about it between like, Hey man, like this is your kid's dream. Like he's actually having some traction. And then you also being a grown ass adult and realizing like rapper, like, is this actually going to happen? So, uh, I don't, I didn't find it anywhere, but I mean, he bet on himself, man. And like, didn't end up going to college that I read and ended up going his dream route. I think there's two ways to look at it. And some people, most of the, the people that say go uh, go all in on A and have no plan B, like those are the people who have already made it. And uh, you know what I mean? So yeah, of course you can say that. But then what about the people who are legitimately probably not going to make it, but they have inside their head that they are. And then they kind of go a, a decade of down plan A, and then they're left with nothing once that you know fizzles right so i kind of like to balance both the the backup plan and the first plan see this is where we're gonna this is where we're gonna we're gonna fight here rory some fists are gonna get punched because it's a good thing it's virtual (laughs) dang it yeah but I, i feel like this is the through line through everything in his career and you know we'll transition in a second to how he became a rapper like a for real for real rapper but in my notes, I put like, he didn't have a plan B, like he was obsessed crazy. And that's kind of what led him on some crazy ass paths that we'll get into later. But from all his motivational stuff, all of whatever he, he it alludes to, you have to be a little bit crazy in order to actually make it. I think you have to be crazy, but you just said he had a plan B, like he was a smart guy with a scholarship to MIT or something. He wasn't entertaining he- that. I don't think he was homeless and maybe he's needed to become a rapper in order to, you know, get off the streets. I think he had a pretty, uh, although, you know, not ideal, like pretty stable childhood with at least one loving parent. Well, and his grandma, Uh, his grandma, he was really close to, which we'll probably get into in a minute. But uh, what happened at this party? Uh, There was a party where he met uh, a young man by the name of DJ Jazzy Jeff. Is that the one you're talking about? DJ Jazzy Jeff. Have you heard of this man? Yeah, I've heard of him, but I just, for, I just remember the DJ. I don't remember Jazzy Jeff, but I believe you. Did you watch the show? What show? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's go into the music part. So he decides, I want to be a rapper, right? And so he starts doing MC stuff at parties, and you know, he's good at, at, at busting rhymes or putting rhymes. I don't know anything about hip-hop. But it, I can it, tell. <laughs> he's a good MC, basically. And so word gets out that that's the case. But then he hears other things like, oh, there's this good uh, uh, DJ. It's, it's kind of like one hand washes the other in hip hop. Like you can be a good MC, which is the, let's call it the vocalist part, but you kind of need the other side of the genre, which is the the beats part. All right. And so if you can do both, then awesome. But in most cases, you have one guy that does one and one does the other. So uh, I didn't know that. Did you know that? Y- yeah. You said, I don't know anything about rap. I had no clue that they usually come in pairs, that you have to have kind of more of the main vocalist and then somebody who carries the beat. It's just, a, it, every situation is different. If you look at like Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, like Macklemore is kind of the face, but Ryan Lewis is the guy that kind of cre- it creates the, all those awesome I swear to God, I thought those, that was the same person. Okay. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis are two different people. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, moving on. So how did he find DJ... It goes to one of those balanced things. It's like you need, you need like one linear thinker and one like creative, crazy person, right? So Ryan Lewis is kind of the guy that's kind of in the background and he's, he's I don't know, we're talking about this other group now altogether, but like he's the guy that kind of the foundation, whereas he would be nothing without Macklemore. Macklemore, I mean, he, he wouldn't be, um, he wouldn't have those hit songs without Ryan Lewis, right? And the same, I think, goes for Jeff and Will Smith, where it's like, jazz was just, a, he was prolific. And he, he's been known as like one of the greatest DJs, I guess, in, in the game. And he, he just had a unique way of putting things together. So although Will was awesome at putting rhymes together, uh, the kind of combination of both of them is what created that buzz. Yeah, so this is this is the part in the story 
and there's a few of them with with Will's story that really just frustrate me slash inspire me. And I don't know if anybody listening has ever been frustrated slash inspired at the same time. If you're like us and you're like creatives and trying to make something and put it out into the world, it's like, how the hell do I do this? How do I make something pop? And there's these points in people's story like Will's where, you know, this, this dude, he's DJing at a party down the road uh, from Will's house and Will shows up and it just so happens that the DJ's like second man doesn't show up. And so he puts Will on stage and guess what? They just have like this fire chemistry so much to a point where they end up like working together. And that's really cool. I'm happy for them. But when you're like a trying to make something happen in the world, it's like, all right, man, that was like a lot of freaking luck. You know what I mean? Like a D this DJ dude. I mean, if he's has a gig down the road from Will's place, I'm guessing he hasn't, he's not popping just yet, right? He's at somebody's house down the road. Uh, (laughs) B, they just so happen to not only meet, but this other dude doesn't show up, which gives Will the opportunity. Why did he call Will? I don't know. And then they have this crazy (laughs) ass. You you make a good point. It's like, they're both, (laughs) yeah, but it's like, yeah, we were the best in our game in our, in our town, but you're both playing at house parties. I guess that's, I guess for real, for real. It wasn't like this, this DJ dude was like, here, Will, I'm going to give you an opportunity. It's like these two people who had what it took randomly meet at this house party. They randomly end up on stage together. And here, Here's the kicker, man. They have that chemistry level, which you cannot fabricate. Like you cannot make that up. It's just something that happens or doesn't. So, I mean, I'm really happy, obviously, that all those things came together in a recipe, but it's also really hard to like learn from that other than like go to random house parties and take opportunities if you can. And that's why I think collaboration is so important when it comes to like anything. I'm, you might be like this. I'm definitely like a solo person where I just like to do my own thing and then I'll I'll outsource accordingly. But anytime I ever have collaborated in the past, that's usually the thing that succeeds the most. Although I realize that I still love to create stuff by myself. What do you think it is about us as humans that make us that way? Because I'm the same way. Because we're not super, like we have opinions of our own and and other talents that uh, people have other talents that you and I don't possess or, or creativity or ideas. Like why not? combine both of them to create one superpower you're 100 percent right they popped to the party they did a few uh showcases or or contests or something like anyway they won a bunch of uh stuff and uh, they decided all right let's record an album there they got a record deal they released a few singles they hit it big they actually won a grammy let's and- stop there okay okay oh <laughs> This is where it gets frustrating again because it's like, oh, we're at this house party with these people. Oh, then they go to record deal and they went and got a Grammy. You're just like reading through all that. Like that in between stuff, man. That's where it's like, what? And this is. I went from performing at 972 Logistics Avenue to uh, winning a Grammy. This comes back to the point of. Was there steps or were they just that good? Because I've been interviewing creatives just like you for a while. And um, I'm kind of hearing this theme. And you said it to me the other day where it's like, if you're good, your talent's going to make a space for you. And so do we just chalk it up to that? that They were actually that good that this crap just happened for them or what? I think that if you're undeniable, then like you're, you're going to be discovered, right? So they just had this chemistry that was quote unquote undeniable. And we talked about it earlier, like Will Smith had this this unbelievable work ethic in him that he he talks about in the book. He he becomes kind of a pain in the ass to the people around him. He doesn't love working with other people either because no one can really measure up to his annoying work ethic. I say annoying in a complimentary sense. It's just like he just really, really wants to go for something and not a lot of people are as passionate. He said some kind of quote, like we can either be successful or we can be nice. And I'm kind of butchering that, but that was like his mentality through it. And I think for me, what comes up is like, oh damn, I'm not, I definitely am not as good as I think I am. Cause I have like all this ego, like, oh, my show's great. My content's awesome. But then when you look at it, it's like, is it, or would it be popping by now? So now I'm depressed, Rory. Thank you. <sighs> Ooh, there you go. I think there's another quote that I really loved in the in the book that is sort of related to this. And he talks about like he just he wants to go all in because he doesn't want to have any regret, right? So he, he uses the, the analogy like imagine you were in a uh, in a title fight with like Mike Tyson in his prime, and you're fearful for your life, and he's he's this you know you hire a legendary trainer Freddie Roach. 
clearly I'm reading this, right? And you commit uh, to a perfect diet, perfect training regimen, and everything within your power to prepare yourself to face Mike Tyson. And then you step into the ring in impeccable, impeccable physical and mental condition, but Mike still destroys you within 15 seconds. You did everything you could possibly have done and still lost. Uh, you're just you're just not as good a fighter as Mike Tyson. So that would is what Will considers a bearable loss. And then, but if you're going into it like I didn't train much and I'm just kind of screwing around, and Mike knocks you on your ass in 15 seconds, that's an unbearable loss. You know what I mean? So it's uh, I think Will just faces everything as if he's uh, he, he wants to put his best foot forward and try everything to not fail. Which, you know, goes back to his early childhood because he just keeps saying that his dad, like, had impossible standards. And so I think there's an element of that mixed with probably just his natural curiosity ambition. Because he said, um, which I think this is interesting, he, he kind of switches it back and forth because everybody knows him as, like, a rapper. But eventually he kind of got a taste of the movie life, which we'll get into in a second. And he just became obsessed with, I will be, like, the number one uh, star, movie star ever. I did want to touch on one thing, though, that was kind of wild. I don't know if you heard about this you know how he has like super clean lyrics do you know where that came from but there's no cussing uh, and stuff his mom is religious is that it no his grandma his grandma like went into his room when he was just starting the stuff with dj or whatever and like heard his music and there was like a note what is his first name willard isn't that it she's like willard you know <laughs> smart people don't use words like that you need to get your life together pretty much like that and so he literally changed his like tone based off of that. And that's why he doesn't, it never had curse words in his lyrics. Grandma, man, grandma life. So you never hear him swear until 30 years later. Keep my wife's name out. <laughs> nice, uh, nice. So he doesn't really, TV or, or that whole world, it really isn't in the cards. Like he, cause it kind of just fell into his lap. Like he just, they, so again, fast forwarding a little bit. He, 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 they win a Grammy for that first album. They had a few awesome singles, but the next one kind of flopped. They didn't really come as as good as they had as they hoped. And so like, he actually went through a few other things. Like he just he had like he forgot to pay taxes. He's making millions of okay, dollars. Okay, let's let's back it up. You don't forget it, to pay taxes. I mean, like I love you, Will Smith, but do you forget to pay taxes when you're balling like that? I guess it was overlooked, but he owed like three million dollars to the IRS or something. Yeah. 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 And then he, uh, he essentially lost everything where they said that he was even like riding the bus. So he has a Grammy, but he's riding the bus, but he, he jumps back. And here's another point of the story that just like, I don't get, you know, where it's kind of like, I guess, preparation meets, what is it? What is that quote in the personal uh, development world? Uh, opportunity meets luck. Yeah. Luck is proper is opportunity and preparation. The intersection, something anyway. Y'all be blessed with that little Y'all be blessed nugget. with that. Um, After this, like, whatever happened, this is another part of the story I just don't understand. He randomly gets, like, on this TV show or get introduced to these high people who are making a TV show and they randomly offer him the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I'm just like, how the hell does this happen for people? Like, my regular life famous. is not like, like that. He, he, well, he got invited to a party at Quincy Jones's house. That's what it, it was. Because... Quincy's a music guy. And so they were developing a show with Brandon Tartikoff, who's he's done a bunch of other stuff. And so they were actually at the party. And it kind of just happened the day of. Will had been waffling with, should I move to LA? Should I do this? Should I do that? And Quincy's like, I got this idea for a TV show you think could be perfect for it. Uh, your audition is right now. He's like, whoa, what? And so, yeah, we got everyone in the room who could green light this thing. Let's see what you got. And he's like, can I have like a few seconds to prepare for this? He's like, all right, cool. Go into the back office and prepare whatever you're going to prepare. And so he comes back. I don't know what the actual, what he did exactly. But again, whatever it was, his his charm, personality, and talent sort of uh, wowed these people into um, into this pilot. So they created the first few episodes of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I didn't know this, that he went by Fresh Prince as a rapper before. That was his name. So they really kind of crafted at least the show name, maybe the character, even after his like reality, which I thought was kind of wild. In the, yeah, in school, he asked his teacher to call him Fresh Prince because that was his nickname or something like that. But the guy who wrote the show, I think it was based on a true story uh, in his life in which he, he actually got in a fight and his mom got scared. So he moved him with his uncle and auntie in Bel Air. 
And uh, I would get in a fight too, man. If my aunt and uncle lived in Bel Air, like for real, that was like the best punishment ever. You try, you try anything just to get your butt out to Bel Air. It's like, oh, I'm not having a good time here in Philly. Yeah. But, uh, and funny in the in the intro part of the show, the uh, the guy <laughs> I didn't know this until I read the book, but the guy spinning him in the in the intro scene is actually like one of his best friends, Charlie Mack. He ends up becoming his bodyguard or something like that. But it's. Uh, <laughs> I want a bodyguard named Charlie Mack. That's awesome. So I guess what I'm pulling from this so far is right place, right time. Like it's all about people and connections because all of his big, yeah, he was talented, but it was like people noticing his talent and him being in the rooms with people who could actually give him opportunity. Yeah. Be in the right room is, is basically what it is. Like you can't I mean, it goes back to, uh, are you are you an introvert? Do you want to just be a, a hermit? Most of us do, sure. But I think it's it's when you're collaborating in those rooms is what uh, where things happen. Yeah, so from here, I think he went and made his very first movie where he got bit by the movie bug. And I think that's where he decided my contribution to this world is going to be the number one movie star based off of that movie and i think he got married around this time too yeah, for the first got, time yeah he got married had a child with a uh with a a, a lady who, <laughs> who was who was not jada pinkett smith but the one before jada pinkett yeah so i get that you got a taste for the movie bug i forget what the movie it was but he, he created a couple of them while he was on fresh prince so he's just dipping his foot in the water in the pond and that's kind of when he the show had been on the air for several years at this time so it was coming to an end anyway all right this is a pause in the recording this is definitely this woman if you were married to will smith you need to be shouted out not the other one besides jada as uh rory just <laughs> explained <laughs> it's sheree sheree zampino i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly they were married in 92 uh, only married three years um in 95 and i don't know if this is true again because hashtag internet but Fast forwarding a little bit, whenever he met Jada, apparently he was on his way to like hit on Jada and be like, hey, what's up? And then he ran into Cherie and was like, never mind, I'm going to get married to Cherie. And then when him and Cherie didn't work out, he was like, hey, I remember Jada. You were my first love. I was supposed to marry you all along. So he waited until his divorce and then was like, what's up, Jada? And they got married. Again, YouTube situation. Don't know if it's true, but... um, Imagine Cherie also had alopecia. Keep my ex-wife's name. Out. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So here's what's wild. And you need to fact check me, Mr. Book Reader. But I read somewhere that, no, it was out of his own mouth. Jay Shetty interviewed him. And we got to get into his whole spiritual life later. But really good interview view YouTube. Jay Shetty and Will Smith. They have like a two-hour conversation. One of the things that Will said was during this time where he started getting into the movie world, he was so obsessed with, I'm going to be the number one movie star that he kind of worked backwards as opposed to thinking, what do I want to create as an artist? He was looking at the industry and seeing what kind of movies popped. And he saw that kind of more sci-fi, weird creature type stuff was what really hit in like the box office. And so he went after those roles, not necessarily because he loved those roles, but because he knew that would put him in again positioning in a position to really skyrocket. And so that's what he sought after and why you see so many weird flicks on his uh, resume there. Right. He just, it was all strategic. Like he called it the three F's to movie stardom. <gasps> what are those? I didn't hear that. Well, the first F is you have to be able to fight. All right. So that's why, like the first 10 movies he did were all <laughs> pretty uh, violent as, as far as uh, saving the world and stuff like that. And then the second one is you have to be funny which kind of came natural to him, I suppose, after being on a sitcom that was funny for 10 years. And uh, then the third F is 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 the one, you know, the the, the F, the good at sex. I was going to say, so, I was like, uh, surely one of them isn't the blessing word, but I guess so. It was a blessing word. It, it is a blessing. It is a blessing, is. but um, yeah, it sure I guess... It's fun, I'll tell you that much. The F <laughs> it should be the fun. Anyway, beneath the three Fs are the uh, deepest human earnings okay so fighting equates to safety security and physical survival being funny equates to joy happiness and freedom from all the negativity and being good at sex equates to the promise of love which is all the combination of a fabulous movie star according to his fabulous career 
So I guess to prep for that, you would like make sure that you are in shape, that you're learning different fighting techniques. You're working on your charisma and storytelling jokes. And then I guess the other one would be just more of a kind of sensuality to make sure that you were kind of packaging all of those in a way that came across as sexy as opposed to he did become not. a sex symbol until like a little bit later so it's it's funny he actually mentioned another thing like an independence day yeah of course he's saving the world he's a cool dude why who wouldn't want to bang him at that point in time but like it wasn't Heather until is raising her hand i've never viewed him as a sex symbol he's more like a cute sweet neighbor next door that you want to invite over for dinner back in that day but then he hit the uh men in, no what was it it wasn't men in black it was uh it was the one with martin lawrence where he, oh, called bad boys okay so there's one part where they're running in slow motion and the director's like unbutton your shirt and run with your shirt wide open he's like what are you talking about he's anyway he was hesitant to do it then he did it and then it was this awesome slow motion scene and then were you the uh, drooling that's when i became because you're like really recounting this very well. You're like slowly he was unbuttoning his shirt. I admire. So I'm I, I admire. Um, you're touching your good, neck and rubbing it just so everybody can. At least it's my neck I'm touching. <laughs> I admire a good physique in a, in a gentleman. Just not, I'm not sexually attracted to it. But I'm just saying it's I it takes a lot of work to get it. And so no, I get he that become buff, I'd say, until he was what was his first buff like Ali, maybe. I mean, he's he's lean. He's a lean man. So I think he's always like been in good shape, but putting on pounds. Yeah, probably that one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, I can crush on a woman all day, too. Like, let's move on. Okay, so the three Fs. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we? So he gets married to Cherie. He doesn't stay married to her very long. He has this first movie gig. He decides he's going to start pursuing movies full time. And um, I don't know how far you, you want to get into it, but I know that there was like one really, I guess, missed opportunity where he was offered to play Neo in the Matrix and then turned it down. Well, yeah, I remember that. But I mean, I don't think it hurt his career at all. Like he's, he did Bad Boys, Independence Day. He did Wild Black. Wild West instead of. Oh, yeah. So that so, okay, that would have been a mistake. <laughs> that was like the uh, one you know flop in that 10 years of, of, uh, of epic, awesome ones. And he's still doing music at this time, too. And that's what kind of confuses me, Rory, because for a man that is super hyper focused like he admits that he is um i know that they're in the same vein so I'm, i would love to hear one day when i interview will you know when we sit around a campfire to hear like his reasoning behind going ahead and still producing like albums when he was on the one track to be the number one movie star i think he was just leveraging his resurgence in the public eye so let's just say you have everything going for you look at like take the rock for example he's like the it guy oh right God, now the rock why wouldn't he just open up a tequila company while you're already uh, you have tons of eyeballs on you so he already had this music thing in his background and so or is yeah why not release an album and i think i don't recall if it's in the book whether it is or not it was more of a business thing as well like when you're in movies you need soundtracks for those movies so why not write the theme song for men in black and create Ooh. a bunch of words throughout these for yourself okay i said there, there's some strategy there man yeah i mean i guess it makes sense i think as a restless all over the place creative who's trying to get more focused i see what people have the privilege to do later after some successes under their belt where they can leverage audience and do some of these things and expand and you know at the beginning of our careers that's a little more difficult slash maybe not the best time since we're getting a uh, foundation for what we're trying to make in the world. He just had the privilege to be able to kind of expand that. But uh, I don't think he lasted as a rapper very long after Men in Black. Was that it? Not well, Men in he, Black. It, it, Willie's he, no, back? He had, he had a it, couple bangers. Yeah. So like, like he had like, <laughs> welcome to Miami. You know, the, he had a bunch of hits, but it, it all started with Men in Black, I think, because the movie was such a smash and it became the title track and the the soundtrack for that entire franchise so that's what led him back into music he released the two albums uh they got tons of airplay and then he dove back into the movie thing which which album was wild wild west on he did that song too he, i think he did a soundtrack for every movie he was in i just had this stepmom and her last name was west and I just remember that song came out and we were riding in the car and I'd just gotten to know her. She had just married my father. And I'm like, who is this woman? And she's doing this dance at the steering wheel and she's screaming, wow, wow, West. Wow. Because her last name was West. Ah. And she looked like a crazy person, but they really married a couple of years. Hope she's doing well. <laughs> Hope she's fine. Her and uh, what's Will's ex-wife name? 
screw up the joke. (laughs) (laughs) They're hanging out right. Sharice. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was, it it was, it was cool song. And then like, once you got into the more serious roles, like Ali, let's say, I don't think Mm -hmm. you can't create a, a, soundtrack for Ali so <laughs> and iRobot those are all a little different so I wonder if that's still in him though I, I guess like with his daughter because later on you know he ends up marrying Jada right and they end up having two kids Jaden and Willow I mean they both really got into music so I'm sure that he really steps in with that and produces and so again with that he 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 is a crazy person when it comes to putting everything in but his children or at least his daughter was not necessarily built with the same kind of work ethic. So she had that one hit, whipped my hair back and forth. And then she was slated to do like an album with Jay-Z. They were going to collaborate on some stuff. And uh, when it when it came time to hit the recording studio and hit the ground running, she was just like, eh, I'm, I'm good. I had my hit. I'm, yeah. So he was like, you, you have an opportunity to work with Jay-Z. What was wrong with you? She's like, I don't know, just, I'm good. I'm, you know? Yeah. Well, I know that. You know, we kind of skipped over him getting married to Jada and uh, starting this family. And I think that's a really interesting point to where he is now and, and getting to that bit. But I know that they, it seems as though he really started noticing some of his toxic habits when he started to get a family and these kids started venturing out into their own careers. You know, Jaden um, started getting into movies, uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That movie is the best movie ever. It seems as though he started kind of noticing like he's kind of more drill sergeant, kind of falling back into that toxic masculinity thing that his father, maybe I shouldn't say toxic masculinity. That's like cancel culture vibes, isn't it? People get upset about that. I don't know what people get upset about. He started doing some spiritual work with his wife, Jada. And so, yeah, I think this was kind of towards what you're talking about, these later movies kind of getting away from the rap music. I mean, he's getting older, man. He's like our age at this point, you know, late 30s, getting into his 40s and stuff. And it seems like he starts doing some more inner work. At least that's the vibe that I got. The vibe I got was like the pressure on his family may have resulted in in like, um, you know, problems with the marriage. And then fast forward years later, they, they have uh, they create kind of an open relationship sort of thing. That's where she bangs one of the Karate Kid's friends. And then uh, <laughs> it kind of spirals out from there. Did he do any swapping? Things that I never heard about that. I don't think so. I think um, he's always been like pretty monogamous. I read somewhere that he really wanted to enter into a quote, quote relationship with a couple of different actresses. But after I believe I read prayer, he decided that wasn't the route that he was going to go. Although it didn't seem like he minded so much that his wife was a, came to a different conclusion when she consulted the Lord. I I must have missed all the spiritual stuff. I have no idea. You know I'm seeking all that stuff out. But apparently both of them decided that they were going to explore a different religion every year together and like read the sacred texts each year um, just to kind of explore what all of them say. So they're very like spiritual-ish and curious. And so I think it's really interesting that they kind of came to the conclusion that, yeah, open relationships, this is cool. Well, he goes to uh, <laughs> let's change the yeah. Okay, so now he's like the biggest movie star in the world. His movies are grossing, you know, eight hundred billion dollars at the box office, and he's literally just smash after smash. And then he's like, "I'm a movie star." And then he gets this advice from Arnold Schwarzenegger of all people. He's like, "You're not a movie star until you're known internationally." So he's like, "All right, I got to go across the globe and become an international movie star." So, when did this happen? What point in his career? Well, that that conversation was early, like while he was still in Fresh Prince. So he'd do the Fresh Prince during the oh. week, and then on the weekends he'd fly to Europe overnight and then just do interviews and and promote whatever movie he was doing at the time. I know, so pretty crazy. He's doing, he bangs all those out. He's doing these serious movies now, and then he kind of starts to lose heat as as people do you can't stay on top forever right maybe maybe not <laughs> maybe uh, there's there's people like the rocks and like he's just been on the mountaintop since 18 we're gonna get to him later i have some beef with the rock but yeah there's some people who just seem like they they don't struggle or so they say if like if you look at will smith a year ago and think man he's got it all made but then what's under what's happening underneath the surface right that's true 
Unless all this was staged and just a part of getting him more fame. Like I'm pretty sure it say. wasn't staged. No, that's a weird thing to stage. But anyway, he, he doesn't even, <laughs> like, superstardom is a crazy thing, and he doesn't even realize it himself. Or he just, sometimes he can't come to terms with it. There's this one part of the book where he talks about, like, he, he, his son goes to a private school. His first son, uh, Trey. Uh, from yeah, his first he's, the third. he's the third. He's the third. Exactly. So she, he's at a, it's a football game and he's at this private school. I think Wayne Gretzky's kid goes there too. And he, he recounts this part of his life where like, he's like, let me get this straight. You want me to believe that my character in this movie of his life, he grew up in West Philly, wins a Grammy for best rapper, becomes a TV star, then the biggest movie star in the world, breaking box office records. And every time he releases a movie, marries a beautiful actress, artist, performer, and poet, has three spectacular children, and the greatest hockey player in history, Wayne Gretzky, just patted him on the back because his son caught a touchdown pass from the son of the greatest quarterback in the history of the sport, Joe Montana. It's a pretty wild life he's leading at this point in time. I think what's interesting is after the success, after he's reach these mountaintops or whatever at some point in the recent years he's decided to pursue social media and like start building a platform there which to me says a couple of things one either a he's realizing that media is changing and he's going to dominate in that world too because he still has that objective or and or it's probably an and or b he's entering into that legacy part of life He's really thinking about contribution and giving back because based off of his content of like, you know, if you want to succeed, you're going to fail and failure is a part of the game. And like he has his like, I thinks in his ears and he's sweating right. and there's a mountain and all that. You know he's how they do. Sweating. No. <laughs> They're always sweating and in a gym and in a mountain and angry. I, I thought it was, it was really profound. Like it was a weird part of his career, but I... I I enjoy it. There's the people who do it and it just comes off like, what are you doing? But he actually... Genuinely, I feel like it was impactful when he's used to say it. Well, for sure. I mean, I've been, I mean, like, I, I enjoyed that. I haven't really consumed a lot of his content outside of a few movies. I'm not really into like aliens and rap, but his uh, content online, dude, was fire. Like, exactly what I needed to hear, which is surprising that I didn't read his book. What's your favorite movie is? Pursuit of Happiness. And then I Am Legend. I just, oh. I just love me some zombies and like end of earth type stuff. And like, I got a backpack on and I got to find a can of beans, you know, like, let's go, let's go all day. It's your introversion coming out again. I just want to be alone on earth. No, I want to go into a store with a backpack and rate it and not have to pay for anything and then have those wristbands and like be in great shape and look like a badass, which is not reality. Yeah, you go. I'd be crying in a corner in my pajamas. What about you? What's your favorite of his? He's so diverse, though. He's got like a ton of different gears, right? So I, I love the cop movies, like the one of the Martin Lawrence um, bad boys. It. Like that franchise is awesome. And then he even does well in like Hitch. Oh, he plays like the dating advice guy. You know what I mean? Like he's just, he's got all bases covered. Because he's likable. And I wonder to the four Fs, like how much he really worked on that charisma element because... If you think about somebody who's really driven and intense and his family has really talked about how harmful that's been at times, his outward approach, I'm sure there's a little bit of that that's innate, but how much of it too is, because I remember him saying, Will Smith is a character. He slips into that charismatic, like guy next door, badass that we all know and love. But really, he's like, get out of my way. I'm going to kill you, run over you, dominate, sweating. Some people do that. Like it's uh, what do they call it? The the superhero? No, what is it? Uh, there's a book about the entire alter thing. ego. Alter ego effect. That's the one. Like Sasha Fierce and Beyonce, for example. Like she just goes into this character that uh, maybe her mom wouldn't approve of, but <laughs> the rest of the world loves. I think that's one of my favorite personal development books, and I think even if it's not something like super intense, like coming up with a name, what Will has done, I think throughout his career is step into something that he is becoming versus seeing where he's at right now. That's hard because we're looking out around our certain circumstances and saying, Hey, I'm just at a house party in my neighborhood. I'm not making it. Hey, I freaking riding a bus after all my success. I'm screwed, <laughs> man. I should have took that freaking part and I didn't. My life, my career is over. And instead of like really dwelling on that, you know, one of the things that he taught in his 
motivational stuff is that everybody fails more than they succeed if they really make it. But I fail and I like want to lay down for a while. Well, he didn't, his career definitely wasn't, it, it slowed down for it a little bit. Like he, you can tell he, he was, there. there's a lot of talk about the hits he was making. And then it's not as if he wasn't making hits for a while, but it's just like some of the movies weren't doing as well as the others. He wasn't in a movie every single year. You know, he comes out with this uh, this smash with the Williams sisters or, or playing their father called uh, Prince. What's it called? You didn't see it? The one he won the Oscar for? No, I didn't see it. I was too busy tripping about Chris Rock and that whole situation to even know about the movie, which kind of oh. goes to the point of the Grammys why that sucked. Uh, so this he was nominated for an Oscar before with, uh, I feel like it was Ali, but he did not win. It was just a nomination. And then he won it with King... King what the hell is the movie called? Uh, I'm looking at Richard, it King Ra Richard, Richard, okay. King Richard. That's it. I think it's King Richard. <laughs> yeah. The, so the, he's a place, the, the dad of the Williams sisters. Anyway, so it was a great movie. I, I thought it was fantastic. Again, I saw it before the whole Oscar thing went down, which brings us to the Oscar thing going down. <laughs> well, before the Oscar thing, what was interesting is he just came out with this memoir, this book, where he's talking about his personal development journey, healing from his dad, like forgiveness, all this stuff. And I think that the setup of that is what makes what happened at the Oscars super interesting. Um, some people, you know, really demonized him because of that, because what happened. But also, too, I think it's unfortunately for you, Will, sorry, uh, a really great reminder to us that people aren't perfect and you can write a freaking self-development book or whatever and then still go punch people in the face. That's a reality. Um, would you recommend the book, by the way, before we get into the Oscars? Uh, it's a very long book and they go into extreme detail. Like, it, so if you're a, a Will fan, like, absolutely. Again, like, there was a couple things I kind of skimmed over because he goes very deep into like how he got his deals and Grammys. You just missed all the gold nuggets because you're skimming. No, I mean, it's again, I, I don't love early life stuff. I, it's, 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 I got the stuff I love to listen to and I, the, I, I'm a big fan of his career. And so I, that's what I bought the book for. And when I say read the book, I really mean listening to the book. <laughs> but uh, he saw it in a bookstore and skimmed it. Yeah, so and so it's a great book. Like it's it's well written. I think he, he co-wrote it with Mark Manson. Is that the "Don't Give a F" guy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so that leads us to this incredible evening. Did you watch this live or did you? See I watched it live, and I was with everyone else in the world. That it was like. Was this staged? What, what just happened? I think I had just turned it on. Like I had just turned on the show and like within 10 to 15 minutes, this happened. I was like, what? Yeah. So I think his book comes out in November, if I'm not mistaken, in 2021, something like that. And then just like a few months later, early this year, Chris Rock uh, kind of pokes a joke at his boobay. And uh, Will, at first, seems like he's a little bit laughing and then just like walks up on stage and... uh I would say kind of girl slaps him. Well, girl slapping. Non-aggressively, painfully slap. I guess that's what you... So is that how you would physically abuse a woman if you were... Yeah, so what you do is you push your fingers back as far as they can go because you don't want your fingers to lean on their face, right? You want to get that palm so it's like a slap punch. I heard actually in, in the gangster world that a slap is actually more... Uh, of a of a diss than a punch. Where do you find the gangster world, and how did you get this information? I don't want to get into it, Heather. Okay, this is a family show. But listen, it's I, I heard that was that was the case, and um, I'm not saying that's why he did it. Maybe he probably the other reason he didn't want to close fist punch them is he don't want to knock somebody out in the Oscars. He just wanted to uh, leave a message, right? He wasn't was really training. He, he you could tell he's personally trained though, because it was a good form. Well, he's also like probably 50 or 60 pounds heavier than Chris Rock. Like he could have Killed done him. more damage than, yeah. than done. But I don't think he was totally, uh, he, he, it was a joke. It was just a dad joke that Chris Rock told. I don't, I don't think it was offensive, but I think it's when Will saw Jada's face because I think they have prior history. Uh, maybe I, I think it was at Oscars from the last time Chris Rock hosted or something like that, where jokes were made. So maybe they had some some stuff under the surface. But anyway, I think it's when Will saw Jada's face that that's when he kind of snapped. And this is where I get kind of frustrated with her because 
I'm not saying she should say what her husband did was right, but I don't feel like she's really kind of had his back in this where she's like, yeah, he's wrong. He shouldn't have gone up and like slap this dude. Yeah, you can say that, but also to have your man's back and be like, you know, defend him a little bit. I don't, I'm not saying say what he did was right, but also to don't demonize him. And I feel like she hasn't really had his back. You know what I mean? Like as a partner, that's what you're supposed to do. At least I think. Don't cancel me again. God, this whole show's making me sweat. I feel like I'm going to say something <laughs> wrong. What do you think? I mean, like, should she have had his back as a partner or what? Well, it's just, it's, okay, at the end, in the book that I read slash listened to skimmed, it, it's like... They don't have that in the book. No, but they... It was definitely planned. There's just a vibe that happens like towards the end where Jada's like, th- their marriage is clearly going through some stuff and... Like I remember this one particular part where he's throwing, I want to say a 40th or something for, for Jada, like a surprise party. And it was just all the bells and whistles. Like he had her favorite band from the 90s there. And like everything was just perfect and stuff. And all the guests were there. And any person who had this party thrown for them would be like, oh my God, you're the greatest spouse on the planet. After everyone left, she's like, what an egotistical thing to do. You did this for yourself and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? I don't know. So I just have a weird vibe with Jada based on what I read in the book. Anyway, I don't know much about her because she hasn't had her own 900,000 page autobiography written yet. But yeah, my perception is just a little off. You know, Cherie's in the back. She's like, <laughs> she's like, yes. I told you, you asshole. <laughs> yeah. So like in the aftermath of all that, man, like he uh, resigned from the academy and was like banned, I think 10 years from attending the Grammy slash getting a Grammy, which is pretty wild if you think about it. That's gonna greatly affect what movies he gets cast in or not, right? Because movies want their actors to get awards. Yeah, I never thought of that. Uh, you said Grammy, but you meant Oscar. Did they take it away from him? At Grammy, Oscar, these golden awards to the holy. I know they banned um, them, but I, I don't know if they took away the award or not. But what's weird is like, he accepted the award. He still won it that night. They accepted it. And then he got a standing ovation. Like no one in the room stood up for Chris Rock in the moment. Maybe yeah. they were just as confused as the viewers at home. Like, I don't know. It was just a whole weird It was just a situation. weird situation. Yeah. But like since then, he kind of went quiet. And uh, so did so did Jada. Um, and then recently came out. And I remember seeing his last like apology video and... I just kind of like, let's let this thing go, man. Like, can we stop apologizing? Because I just feel like it was all on my TikTok feed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize to Chris Rock. I apologize to his mom. I'm so sorry. I'm ashamed and all this stuff, which is great. But after a while, it's like, it does not discount all of the work that he's put out into the world and everything. Because Lord, if we televised every mistake I freaking made, like you talk about cancel culture. Right. Heather is just a walking ball of offense. Well, that it might be a good place to to ask this question. Like, are you a person who can separate the artist from man or woman? I think it depends on what that artist has chosen. Like, if they have, you can clearly tell when somebody is strictly a performer and they're just working on the art and the craft and that's awesome. But then when you start going into the arena of trying to be more of a thought leader, um, using your platform for good, which I think is what scares people about using their platform for good because they don't want to be held accountable to some of these standards and stuff. Case in point, Will Smith. I think it's different where I can not separate the human and the artist in the first case versus the second case where you kind of step away from that intentionally to quote, make an impact or whatever. But it doesn't like, if anything else, I end up respecting people more when I see their public failures and they handle it the right way than if they had never made that in the first place. Like I never, I don't, I haven't thought one single thing about Will Smith differently other than, dude, I really feel for this dude that he's walking through this and not to excuse what happened, but God. He's never been labeled as the the a, a role model. So I remember Eminem went through that where he's just like, he had criticized for something and he's like, I'm not anyone's role model. If I can save a few kids by, it's in a lyric too. He just, you know, but he just, he didn't want to be labeled as that. Whereas like, if you look at someone like Britney Spears, where every young girl in the world is looking up to you, you cannot miss a step because this is a whole different, like, I guess the pop world is different than the hip hop world. And there's a lot of pressure that goes along with that. I'm sure. What do you, I mean, you're, you're an artist too. I mean, I think it's a really tricky line where you 
obviously entered your craft because you love whatever it is and that consciousness of like, hey, people are listening to me and I have an impact directly or indirectly, whether I like it or not. Like, how do you navigate that as a creative? As a comedian, I just want to make people laugh and I just try to entertain, but like, I don't really step into fields like, uh, or topics like politics or religion and stuff like that. Cause I'm the last person who wants to offend anyone. And I think to become a, a great comedian, let's just take Chappelle as an example, cause he's kind of going through some stuff right now. Like you really need to ruffle some feathers. <laughs> so he's doing a really good job of that right now. I don't think I have the talent uh or the nerve or whatever to to talk about some of the stuff that he has in a in an eloquent way so i don't know how to answer that question we have no answers to life's issues uh main takeaways from will smith i mean i think when you and i talked about doing this show we're thinking you know we both love personal development we both love bettering ourselves in that whole world and we're also two creatives and have some really weird dreams and so trying to marry those two worlds together is tricky um I think it'd be easier if we were just going the business route to apply personal development. But when you're going the creative route, uh, I think it's a little bit more of a wobbly line. So is there anything like you pulled out from his life that like you actually are going to apply to your creative career? I think a lot of people, especially in the creative where there's not a, not really a, a rule book. You know I mean, if you if you want to become a lawyer or something, you go to school, you have, you learn these specific things and then you practice law. But if you want to be a rap star or a movie star, there's just so many elements that go into it that you can't necessarily even learn or again, luck plays a big role in it. But I think Will is one of those people who approached it strategically, like right from the get go and, and his worth ethic just speaks for itself, right? If you get up and try, 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 try. Yeah, you, know, you get up to bat 3,000 times, you're going to hit something out of the park. And then once you hit that one home run, everything else kind of trickles in, like compound interest. Do you think if he wouldn't have showed up to that house party, like, are you into like this whole fate thing? Like that's what set his career off? Or do you think he would have found his way? Uh, I think he would have found it. I, I don't remember the the exact ins and outs of that party, but I think I'm sure like he, if he had made the decision to move to LA, he was probably looking to get into television or something like that. So, but I think yeah, right place, right time. So it all worked out for him. What was your biggest takeaway? One of my biggest downfalls is I don't put myself in the right rooms a lot, whether that's like unintentionally or intentionally. I just, you have to, I think from his story, I'll stop you. I'll, I'll tell you a story. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a story from from my life. So, I, I being Canadian, I like to go down to to Florida, and I love to spend my winters there because that's what Canadians do. And so, can I can you I, kind of brief? Is it because it's cold in Canada in the winter? So it's I'm chilly. It gets chilly. Right? What is so chilly I, to you? Minus a thousand. Have you ever been to Canada? I love Canada. Tim Horton's coffee, dude. Everybody's chill there. Everybody's like, hey, hey. Like, I love Canada. Well, you're welcome. So I go down to Florida once a year, and then we. Uh, so a few years ago, I'm at these, these these showcases to get into these retirement communities because they have a big budget for entertainers and stuff like that, right? And these retirement community shows are not amazing. Like they're just you're, it's just not why you got into <laughs> the entertainment industry. It is not the definition of rock stardom. So why is it? Because they're old. These things because you're just trying to pitch yourself to different whatever. Is the point is I never. I got a few gigs out of it, but I never got anything substantial out of it other than meeting the other entertainers there that created other opportunities for me. So they're all trying to, you know, elevate their career as well. And through that sort of networking experience is how I got opportunities that got me to a higher level than I ever thought possible. And so I think that kind of goes into being in the right room at the right time. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and that's I think my biggest uh weakness right now and maybe learning from Will Smith in this conversation with you to, to be more strategic about that. Um, I think that requires you to be really, really clear on your vision because if you're kind of shaky on that, you know, like, I kind of want to, uh, like you don't know the people in the rooms that you have to be in. So it's, I mean, I just got back from Lewis House's event, incredible, but like all he ever talks about is clear vision, clear vision, have a clear vision. And I think as creatives, we can sometimes get shaky with that. But that's another thing we pulled from, from Will is he's like, I'm going to be number one movie star. And based off of that, he knew the right rooms to be in, the right people to talk to. In order to have a clear vision, do you have to have a why? Like a, an actual emotional... I don't know. This is like a John Maxwell crap, man. 
But like, let's just say you want to, uh, like, I want to be a rich and famous movie star. Well, so does everybody, right? Even if they have no desire to be an actor, they just want to be a rich and famous movie star. I think so does everybody. I think some people think that's cool. But when you really talk about, I want something, Rory, and you know this is true, as somebody who's on the path, people say things, but people don't really want it. Really. I feel the same way. But like, I remember 20 years ago when I'm in that lineup of 10,000 people in American Idol, like waiting for my audition with whoever, I met so many people who were like, I am here for my audition. I'm like, cool. Do you, do you sing much now? He's like, no, I never say anything in my life. Why are you here then? <laughs> like, Because I want to be a famous singer. This is that's And that's where I get that mentality from. It's like, what, what, like I think everyone just wants fame and fortune, but they, and they'll do anything to get it. And so well, back to your thing of why, like, I think a why is nice. But yeah, why, why do you want fame and fortune? Like, why do you, if you, there's way easier ways to get fortune, there's way easier ways to make money than the entertainment industry. So maybe your why is what you should be focusing on. Well, I, I think why helps people who maybe are intimidated by their vision because some people don't have a honorable why you know or a why at all they're just like they this is it, it doesn't matter to them they are solid sold on their vision but for some people who might be like for me get have confidence issues and struggle with like you know am i good enough for this it's helpful to have a why with my vision because then i can relate it back to something that I can fight for because sometimes like I, I wasn't born thinking like, I'm the shit, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to dominate. Like it's completely the opposite where I'm, I have to really work on showing up in a room and feeling like I belong there. And so when I attach my quote, why to something really impactful, then it feels like I'm fighting for something bigger than me. And that's kind of a cop out maybe and a little trick, but it's helpful for people who have confidence issues because I'll fight for you or for somebody else in the room before I fight for myself. That's interesting. Does the same thing work? If you fail, you feel like you, it's not you failing, but you're failing as a group that you kind of made up in your head. I don't know, but that's a really cool idea. I should fail as a group. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, a failure, fault. not it's just a, me. <laughs> Janice's fault over here. Like, who's Janice? <laughs> imaginary lady I made up just to... to but, 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 okay, sometimes too, and let's be honest about this, and I think this is going to come up with all the, quote, celebrities that we look at, man. I think this is true, and you, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I know I'm not. Those of us who want to be famous one day or get attention, like we got some, I know you don't like looking back at mommy, daddy issues, but they're there. There's like this belonging thing of like love and affirmation and some of this stuff. And whether it's healthy or not, it's there. I'm convinced that all of us who are drawn to this world, like there's like a hole in our heart for some of that. Outside of the entertainment industry or, or having that attention or validation from the audience, is there a more contemporary career that fulfills that in your opinion what do you mean is there like a job you can go to school for that might fulfill that uh that love that you need from your parents well i mean sure but i'm talking about like the content creators famous people you know getting on stage like you and i do and all that like there's has to be an element there of validation that we're looking for I used to be a therapist, dude. I can't help this stuff coming out of me. Like, I just see that. It's absolutely true. And, and like, I think that, what did they say? There's another quote that's rough childhoods create the greatest entertainers or some sort of a thing of that. It's just in the comedy world, it's like you have to be somewhat damaged in order to attest <laughs> to, to, to uh, certain levels. So this is where it gets interesting. I know we're getting long here, but there's this psychologist named Abraham Maslow. No, not Maslow. It was... It's uh, pronounced Lincoln. <laughs> Adler. Oh, okay. So there's a psychologist, Alfred Adler, who talks about that we're all born with this sense of inferiority. And it's something you can't get away from. And it's not something you should be ashamed of at all. What our opportunity is in recognizing that, quote, inferiority. And so for, in my opinion, uh, performers' inferiority is a lot of times belonging and acceptance and admiration and all that stuff. Instead of being like, man, I shouldn't be that way. Like, I should get healed and not need affirmation from people instead of being like that. What we do is we recognize it and we're like, yeah, I need affirmation and belonging and whatever. And he had this idea that if we could turn that towards, quote, societal good, then it was a healthy way of using our inferiority versus an unhealthy way. And uh, back to the why bit, that might be the key of like, yeah, I know that my bent is towards 
Rory's affirmation towards me or the audience affirmation towards me? How could I steer that slightly to make an impact or make a difference in this world or whatever versus it all be about selfish gain? Does that make sense? It does. It kind of reminds me of the book, Primary Greatness. In your opinion, what's an example of uh, not good versus good? Not good versus good. Uh, uh, mocha ice cream versus chocolate. No, I just know for your, uh, uh, you, you know, what, what's a good way? If you're, you said it, contribution is, is. Let's use money, for example. I want to be wealthy so I can buy tons of cars and look better than the person next door versus I want to make a lot of money to buy a bunch of cars, buy awesome clothes, and also build schools. Right. You still have the selfish element, but you throw in a good school in there. So it's all good. <laughs> what about i mean come on okay it's a loophole <laughs> stop psychoanalyzing heather and what do you think about all this or am i just full of baloney because i know that I, I get overly deep about crap my perception changed uh, a while back i think you get mature as you fail over and over again or but as you I get remember, older or yeah i guess that's it i just remember it back and I was just, like i wanted to be let's just say a hypothetical i say i wanted to be on the tonight show my my why would have been just for validation. It's just because it's awesome. I would love to all these people to to just find me funny and to see me on this incredible platform. And then uh, it, might, it changes. It's now it's like the universe will will create the Tonight Show for me or that opportunity when uh, my my comedy or my story is compelling enough to be able to share with the rest of the world to you know bring them joy or some sort of value. That's so spiritual. You just said the universe. I'm pretty woke. God, we're going to have such a good time. Let's go away and die. Here. Gee whiz. As far as the uh, the Will Smith thing goes, I think we've um, we've covered a lot. Yeah, I want to um, end this with a direct quote from Will Smith that I alluded to earlier. And now this is the direct quote. And uh, just take it with you, internalize it. Uh, Lead with Eat it. my wife's name. Make Ow. a difference in this world with this. We can win or we can be nice. When was that quote? It was in one of his motivational videos. <laughs> we can win or we can be nice. Hey, thanks for listening to Celebrity Self Help. Please leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you think about the show. And we're also on Instagram at Celeb Self Help. You can always send us a message and let us know who we should cover next.